Good morning. It's uh, great to see you guys this morning, and uh, thank you, Chris, for those uh, great announcements. Uh, a couple new faces. We're blessed that you're here and worshiping the Lord with us. Um, also, I just want to say thank you again to the ladies for pulling off the epic prank uh, on the guys. It made for some great pictures and videos, and then uh, Brent and Trey are representing again today. So awesome. Praise the Lord. Uh, also thankful for our guest speaker that we had last week, if you were with us, Pastor Keo and Yastama, who was a little bit of a change-up for us, right, doing side-by-side translation. Uh, so thank you guys as well for uh, just taking time to discipline your ear to listen through that. I know sometimes it can be challenging to try to follow, uh, you know, one or the other. So uh, thank you guys for doing that. Uh, I'm going to just really echo real quick what Chris said, just with many of our church family uh, and folks traveling this summer. Uh, you can keep them in your prayers, but also if you're hanging out with the rest of us, and we'd, we'd really love just to partner with you and have you join with the different ministries as we are a little bit summer light uh, just in regards to who's hanging out. So uh, nursery, kids, ushers, media, I think just uh, you know every, every uh, ministry we have has uh, some opportunities to help out. And then VBS is a biggie. So just with VBS coming up, it is our biggest event uh, for the summer and, and just the inreach and outreach to our own families. And so if you can be a part of that, that would be great. Okay. Uh, and then lastly, I just want to share, um, if you saw the news, and I think most of us have, with the um, Supreme Court ruling, really historical, um, you know, in the category of uh, you know, monumentous, just a tremendous uh, event that took place. But uh, if you have friends like I have friends and family, there's really a, a wide variety of responses to that. On one side, there's a lot of celebration and rejoicing, and on the other side, a group of my friends are angry um, and just, uh, it's evoked a lot of strong emotions and opinions. And I read an article where it said it was a, a political earthquake. And I thought, wow, that's a, a great descriptor of those things. Uh, for us as Christians, of course, we, we believe that God uh, is the creator and the maker of life, that every life matters, that every life has value. Uh, and so um, I, I believe that we are called then to support and celebrate, in a sense, anytime there's movement towards the protection of life, of innocent life, again, of all life. But we want to be prayerful. We want to be prayerful. Uh, there's a lot of division, and so we want to take our prayers to the Lord and pray for peace and pray for hearts and pray for truth to be uh, to be known, and for us to be ambassadors of that, of kindness and compassion and love, because it is such a, a volatile and divisive issue. So uh, let's be in prayer for that, for the United States, and just even for our friends and family. Amen? All right. Well, we are in the book of James, as most of you know, and so if you have your Bible with you, you can turn to James chapter 1 as we continue to make our way through this great letter, uh, slowly but surely. We're still here in chapter 1 unpacking some really very practical things that James has for us, as we've mentioned before. If you need to borrow a Bible, you guys know the routine. You can raise your hand high in the air, and the ushers will be happy to let you borrow a Bible. I entitled our message this morning a prescription or a spiritual prescription for our ears and mouth, because that's what James is going to address, uh, our ears and our mouth. And... If you're there with me, again, just two verses this morning, verses 19 and 20. I'm going to invite you to stand as I read the scripture aloud. We want to stand in honor of God and his word. Stretch our legs a little too practically. James says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Your translation might just say quick to hear. Slow to speak. Slow to wrath. And then he gives an explanation for the wrath or the anger, the unbridled anger of, of a person, of man. It does not produce the righteousness of God. All right, we're going to pause there. Uh, I know Chris prayed for us, but let me just pray real quick. Lord, we thank you for our time this morning, yet another beautiful day that you've given us here in Okinawa. Lord, we thank you for this place that you've provided that we can gather openly and publicly to proclaim 
Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, to have a time of worship, to have the opportunity and the privilege of opening the scriptures and reading and studying and learning and growing together. Thank you, Lord, for this grace. And Father, we thank you that, that really Jesus is the calmer of the raging seas. That is true for us personally. We believe it's true for politics. Lord, that the world may experience your peace, that we may experience your peace, Lord, in these times of turmoil, turmoil and these times of, of trouble. God, help us to keep our eyes on you with all of the waves and the commotion and the winds around us, Lord. We thank you that you are the anchor of our soul that keeps us steadfast and immovable. And Lord, help us to be abounding in the love and the grace and the compassion of Jesus as we speak truth, as we hold the line uh, in this world. God, speak to our hearts this morning as we unpack these two verses. We trust that you have something for all of us, and we ask and pray this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, would you take a moment and say hello to someone, and then you can have a seat. You can say happy birthday to Big Lou. Happy birthday. <laughs> so of the many great things of living here in Japan and Okinawa, one of the great things that I've come to appreciate here is uh, the healthcare system on the Japanese side. Uh, I have found that uh, Japan healthcare really puts an emphasis on preventative care. They're trying to encourage us to be proactive and taking care of ourselves. And so one of the ways that they do that is they, uh, to promote health is they provide a free uh, or a very low cost uh, annual health screening that they, um, after you turn 40, you get this little card in the mail and you get to go every year. And, and these particular screenings have uh, a funny name. They're, they're called Ningen Doku in the Japanese, which translates literally as human dock, like, like a boat dock. And so it's the idea of like you're plugging in, or you're you know, pulling up to a dock, and uh, you're going to have basically kind of a diagnostic of your, of your health. And so if you ever get the chance to go, and some of us have, if you're uh, you know, in the Japanese health system, the Nigen dock usually involves about a half day at the clinic or a hospital, uh, you show up and you put on a provided pajamas, and so everybody's looking the same. Uh, and, and then you move around basically from station to station, and depending on what you, uh, well, there's the basics, and then you can ask for you know, a little more comprehensive things. Uh, but you just move around from station to station. And so one station will check your blood, one station checks your eyesight, there's a hearing test, uh, EKG, and then the ultrasound, you know, the echo. Uh, and I, there's a bunch of different ones. And you just kind of move around from station to station. And then after you're all done, uh, you wait for uh, the doctors, and then you meet with your doctor, and then they go over your results with you. And as they go over the, res the results with you, if there's uh, any minor issues, maybe your cholesterol's a little high or uh, you know, something like that, they'll, they'll just provide some um, general medical advice. You know, lower your salt, get more sleep, get more exercise, something like that. If, if there's something major, if something kind of flags, then they'll say, hey, this looks like a concern. Uh, we recommend a follow-up. They'll give you a recommendation, and then you have to go and see a specialist depending on you know, if they find anything like that. And so it's just a system that I've appreciated, and I like it. The book of James is like a spiritual ningen daku. You know, God wants us to be spiritually healthy. God wants you and me to have vitality to our faith. And it's James that um, brings us to a type of uh, evaluation and a consideration of our faith. And it's James that will tell us our faith is more than just our words. It's, it's more than just something we profess. 
It's something that we should practice. That very plainly, James will say that uh, there should be an equal sign be behind or between what we say, what we declare, what we confess and profess, and what we do, what we live, uh, how we practice. And that he challenges us, really, to work out, if you will, externally what we have professed to believe internally. And it's these two verses this morning that serve, if you will, as a, as a spiritual prescription for what we should be doing with our ears and our mouth and, if I can, even say even our hearts, that we might be spiritually healthy. And so two short verses, but there's a lot there, and so we're going to spend our morning unpacking these two verses together. I draw your attention to the verse part of that where, first part of that where he says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. He starts off with, and some of your Bible translations may read, take note of this, or it may just even say, know this. The original Greek word, it's just one word for that phrase, it's translated in mine as so then, it's very emphatic. And what that means is it conveys importance. There's an urgency to what James is writing here. It's like a verbal highlight of, hey, hey, pay attention to this. This part is important. And really what James is leading us to, or his readers to, is that in light of your new faith, or in light of faith that came through the word of God, that in verse 18, that God brought us forth by his word, there's something important then that you should know as it relates to your faith. And so he's drawing attention to this, it's important. And then notice he addresses them immediately as he did back in verse 16 as beloved brethren. When we did the introduction to the book of James, I told you that James in some ways is like uh, uh, an MMA match. It's not like boxing where they come out and they're kind of dancing around a little bit and trying to size each other up. Uh, James comes out with a flying elbow, a flying knee. It's just, he says, here's who I am, ding, ding, and he comes out and he just starts, you know, hitting us pretty hard, pretty solid from the get-go. But along the way as he's doing that, he inserts this reminder of, of relationship, of a, of a tough tenderness that he cares for these people because he's going to have some tough things uh, to say. There will be things that we will read that will uh, sting a little bit. They'll, they'll convict a little bit or maybe a lot. There, there's times we're going to read something and we're going to be like, e, I don't like what I'm hearing. And yet we have to realize that he's writing with care and concern. Well, for him, he's very pastoral, but really as an agent of the Lord, that it's God's love for these people, and it's God's love for you and for me that we understand, listen, God wants you to be spiritually healthy. God wants you to know the truth. And so there will be times where what we read and hear, we won't like it. It will be hard to hear. And so this phrase reminds us, oh no, there's love there. There's a relationship there. There's concern there. This phrase, rem phrase reminds us once again that we're family in the Lord. And really that's the context from verse 18 where he says, you know, we've been brought forth by the word of truth. That together we've been born again by the spirit of the Lord. The good news that Jesus Christ came, he was born, he lived, he died in your place and mine. That he took the penalty of your sins and mine and the power of that sin. As he died on a cross on a hill called Calvary. Buried in a tomb and three days later he rose again according to the scriptures. And the Bible tells us that if we believe that, if we believe that in our hearts, we confess that genuinely, honestly, earnestly with our mouths, then we will be saved. That we have been born again. We come into this new relationship with, with the creator of all the universe, and we get then to call him God our Father. 
And so we're brought into a new relationship with the Lord, but of course we're then brought into a new relationship with each other, and that's what James reminds us of. We are brethren, we're family, a beloved family. It's John that says, Behold the, uh, what manner uh, of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God, 1 John 3, 1. And so God loves you. There are things that sometimes are difficult to hear or maybe hard to hear, but that's all of God's expression of God's love and grace to us. And what does he want us to be engaged in then as his kids in this relationship that we have with him? Well, James gives us three uh, very important things. He says, first, let every man, of course we include woman, let every person be quick or swift to hear. Here's, your, here's our first prescription for every follower of Christ. Now, the advice in itself is great. The advice in itself could be advice and wise counsel for every single person on planet Earth. But again, context for us as we're reading this is the beloved brethren. Its intended uh, audience and target is the Christian. It's the Christ follower. And the application isn't reserved for just a few of Christ's followers. It is for every single one of us. And that's important because it's for every single one of us, regardless of how long we've been following the Lord, whether it's been a short time, uh, days, weeks, months, or it's been decades and years. See, the Greek verb tense of this verse, the entire verse, the entirety of it, is what's called present imperative. And basically what that means is it's something that God wants us to be doing and continuously doing. It's not just a one-time transaction. It's not a one-time event, okay, well, I listened that one time, I'm good to go. No, it's, it's that we continually practice this. It's continually we, we master these things. And it's not a one and done. It's a pursuit. It's a habit. It's something that we seek to do. And so beginning with seeking to do, continuously do, continuously improve upon, well, that is to be quick to listen. Quick to listen. This word quick, it means to do something urgently. It means to do it eagerly. It conveys both uh, a response time and an attitude. It speaks of giving both priority and attention to the task. Not that you would do it quickly, haphazardly. Not that you do it quickly just to say, okay, I've got it done. But there's a careful, intentional attentiveness to it. And so very plainly, it's very practical, God is telling you and me, through James, be an active, attentive listener. Be an active, attentive listener. Perhaps you've heard it said that God's given us two ears and one mouth, therefore we should be uh, listening twice as much as we speak. Now, you notice with me that there's no object to whom we should be swift to hear or quick to hear. And so the question can be like, who, okay, who does this apply to? To whom should we be quick to listen to? Well, first, I think we should be attentive listeners to anyone to anyone who is speaking to us, because it's the, well, it's a godly thing to do. It's a kind thing to do. Dare I say it's the right thing to do. It is in one way for us to uh, be witnesses of God's grace and kindness to people around us, to give them our attention. It conveys the love of God for a person, the worth and value of another human being. When you give them your attention, as they're speaking to you, as you're, they're addressing you, and again, this command involves the idea of, of both listening and hearing. 
And, and I make a distinction in that, hearing and listening. Sometimes we can hear, but we're not really listening. The idea is we're not really paying attention. See, the truth is that some of us are really good at pretending to listen. Because we can hear, and then we just pretend to listen. We hear the sounds, but we're not really tracking with the content. It's just, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. It's like the how the adults sound in the peanut uh, cartoon movies. It's that wah, 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 wah. So it just sounds like, right? We, we, we hear the noise, but we're not really tracking with, you know, what the words are saying. If you ever get a chance, well, not even just the Ningendoku ones, but, you know, anytime you have a hearing test, if you're like me and you go to those, one of the stations is a hearing test where they have a little sound booth and you walk in and they, you know, you have to put on the headphones and there's, the tech that's sitting on the outside, and you're kind of in the soundproof booth, and they'll just tell you, like, raise your hand when you hear sound on what side, right? I get so nervous beforehand. I'm like, I'm going to practice, you know, like, try to <laughs> get so anxious. I don't want to fail this test. And so if you ever had that experience, at least for me, I, I, I'm like, I'm like very apprehensive and I'm very intent. I'm very trying to listen. I'm like, okay, do I, do I raise my hand now? Was that, did I hear a sound or I didn't hear a sound? And, uh, you know, and so I'm hyper-focused. I'm trying to listen as carefully as I can. But in most other situations, I'm not. And I think most of us aren't. We're not hyper-focused trying to listen to what someone might be saying. Sometimes we're not listening at all. Because if you're like me, you're distracted by other things. And for us, that's very easy to do. In our day and age, we all, most of us carry around uh, personal distraction devices. It's screens that grab our attention. It's our phones, it's games, it's TV. We find ourselves then distracted by those things. Sometimes uh, we're not good listeners because we're really just, we just want to, we just hear what we want to hear. And as soon as we hear what we want to hear, we tune out the rest. Or sometimes we hear it in the moment. Maybe we are listening in the moment, but it's just the moment. And then two minutes later, you're like, what did you say? We forgot the entirety. And so James is prescribing for us this attitude of heart, this discipline as believers that we might be active and attentive listeners. And, And really, to be that, it's a form of dying to ourselves. It is a form of dying to yourself and picking up our crosses and following Jesus daily. And this is what the Lord desires of us. It is a discipline, the discipline of listening well that we have to work at. But maybe you've experienced this as the receiver, or maybe even as the giver of good listening. You can, you know, you can impact a person's life just by giving them your attention. Think about that. Think about the power that you wield to bless somebody, to influence somebody, to, to, you know, to um, impact their life just by listening to them, by giving them your undivided attention when they want to talk to you about something. That's a lot of power. And really what I think is underlying here is the idea that, that because we're, especially because we're followers of Christ, I think the application, again, to us but for everyone, and it's the idea that we can love others well simply by listening to them well. It's a form of love. You're going to ascribe value to another human being just by giving them your attention. See, when we fail to listen, several things can happen. 
I'm just offer kind of a side uh, thoughts that James doesn't develop. But, but if, we, if we fail to listen, if we're not active listeners, we're, we refuse, we, we can become then unteachable. We're just in love with our own thoughts and our own ideas. We follow our own advice. And so we refuse to listen. We don't really pay attention to others. We, we end up having to learn everything often uh, the hard way through painful mistakes and choices. When we fail to listen, oftentimes we will arrive at the wrong conclusion. We'll jump to this faulty uh, you know, idea or we'll ascribe wrong motives to people. We saw something, we heard something, but then we're not you know, listening to everything they're saying. Oh, see, we're, we're prone to draw conclusions about people and situations without all the information. It happens all the time. And often those conclusions are wrong. We didn't give the opportunity just to listen to the person and everything that they had to say. And I think often, too, like if we fail to listen give people attention, we, you and I will miss out on, I think, just the treasure, if I can say it way, the, the treasure of a relationship, the, the value of what another person has to offer, their experience, uh, their wisdom, things that they've learned, that God has shown them. You know, one of the things I, I thoroughly enjoy about what I get to do is this, us, people. And I've shared with you before, I, I, by nature I'm more of an introvert, so I can only go so long. I only got so many uh, miles in my tank before you know, I have to go recharge, and generally that's what Mondays at the beach when it's not raining is for for me. But I, I, I love this. People to me are fascinating. And I have found that everyone has a story. And everyone has a story that you can learn from. Everyone has something of value that, that you can glean for your own self. I mean, and just not even just learning, but then getting to know a person, making relationship and connection with a person. And all that happens when you and I just take the time, and it's a sacrifice because it's time, it's a sacrifice because it's your attention, it's mental energy, to listen to them, to gain a friend, to gain wisdom, to gain insight. And so if we fail to listen, there's some of the things that can happen, but, but why, do we, why, why, why do we often fail to listen? Okay, maybe you can relate to me. I, I had to, man, this is a scripture that God really was just working on my own heart. That's what happens when we fail to listen. But why do we fail to listen? If you're like me, it's because I'm impatient. We're impatient. Like we don't listen because we don't feel like we have the time. Or, we, or worse, we feel like what the other person is saying, doesn't. They, we feel like oh, they don't have anything of value to contribute to my situation or to my life. And, and sometimes... Even for us as adults, we're, we're guilty of not listening to our own kids or those who are junior to us or younger to us because we, we assume that we know more, that we know better. Or vice versa. Sometimes there's a generation of like, ah, you know, us older people, you're out of touch with reality there's a phrase, I think last year my kids were throwing around, okay, boomer. I'm like, what? get out of here with that. Uh, okay, boomer, you're bottom right now. You know, okay. And so sometimes even generationally that happens. I say you and I will uh, forfeit a tremendous, a, lot, a tremendous amount of value and worth and blessing if we allow those kind of things Really, it's a form of pride is what it amounts to. Right? We're impatient and then we're prideful. That's the idea. And sometimes 
Again, if you're like me, I'm listening, but I'm just waiting for an opening so I can make my own point. <laughs> I just want to be right. I want to win the argument. Oh, I'm so convicted. And I don't listen because I'm just I'm not really caring about what they're saying. I just want to wait for me to say what I have to say. And so active listening, James prescribes this for us. Tremendously helpful in our relationships with others. Something that we can practice and, and watch great improvement in our interpersonal dynamics that applies at work and home and family and friends and the church. But I also want to submit to you that I think James has something more significant in mind. The application is certainly for our interpersonal relationships, but I, I want to submit to you that the context of the application follows the fact that James told us that we've been brought forth by the word of truth. And then later, he's going to tell us that we should receive with meekness the implanted word. Then he's going to tell us in verse 22, Let's be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. And so the context really is on the word, the word of God. And so to whom then do we direct our active listening? Oh, certainly to people around us and our family. It impacts our relationships. But primarily, I suggest to you in context, what James has in mind is that we would be active listeners to the word of God that we would give our attention to the Scriptures, that we would tune our ears to the voice of God's Spirit, who inspired these men to write these words, who then resides in you and me as believers to help us to understand that they become enlightened and amplified and alive in our hearts. The Spirit of God speaking through the Word of God to the people of God. And our part then is to discipline our ears, to hear, be quick to listen. Jesus told the Jews who were disputing with him, it's recorded in John 8, he who is of God hears the words of God. And he told them, and a number of them were religious leaders. He says, for this reason you do not hear, because you do not or you are not of God. Now obviously, the, the Jews uh, in Jesus' day heard the sound of the words that Jesus was speaking. They weren't deaf, but they did not, and really according to Jesus, they could not understand what he was saying because they weren't born of the Lord. They lacked the ability to hear and understand these spiritual truths. Paul uh, echoes that same sentiment when he writes to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 2.14. He says some people, they don't understand because they're not spiritual. The Spirit of God isn't residing in them, and so these truths from then God, they can't fully understand it. It sounds foolish to them. It sounds like crazy talk, my paraphrase. They can't comprehend. They can't understand. And Paul adds... For only those who are spiritual can understand this, what the Spirit means. And so for us then, to be quick to listen is to be quick to listen to then the Spirit of God, to the Word of God. And here's the challenge for us. Do we come with a sense of anticipation? Do we come to the Word of God with a sense of expectation that God's going to speak to us? That we're expecting the Lord to say and impart some truth to us? And the answer is that we should be. We should be. Cultivating this appetite for the Word of God, listening to biblical preaching, Seeking to memorize scriptures, the psalmist talks about, right? Hiding, you know, I've hid your word in my heart, Lord, so that I wouldn't sin against you. And then living it out, fleshing these things out in our lives. I've had people tell me, ah, I don't seem to have a motive to get up in the morning and read the word or stick to my devotions. 
I'm telling listen, it's a discipline, like any other discipline. But I have found, and maybe you have too, and, and I think really the, the scriptures indicate this, that, that we cultivate an appetite by just disciplining ourselves to read it. How do we get a hunger for the things of God and the Word of God? Read the Word of God. Begin just by disciplining yourself and consuming it. As you and I consume it daily and regularly, you'll start to crave it more. The psalmist writes in Psalm 119, I opened my mouth wide and I panted, longing for your commandments. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 2, 2, he exhorts us, like newborn babies, long or desire the pure milk of the word so that you and I may grow thereby. And so, here's our prescription some ways, it's a hearing test and a heart check for us. Are we making time and priority to really listen to God speak to us? One of my favorite questions of asking people is, hey, what is God speaking to you lately? What has the Lord been speaking to your heart? And I hope and pray, and I say this in love, that your time in the Word is not just Sunday mornings. I pray and hope that you're making time to spend with the Lord every day or as often as you can because the Spirit wants to speak. God wants to lead and guide and comfort and convict and that we might experience an abundant life. Because there are times where we've allowed things to distract us. There's so much in this world that competes for our attention and our affections. And so, you know, we can, love, we can love others by listening to them well, but one of the ways that we get to demonstrate our love for the Lord is by listening to Him well. To love God is to love His Word and to live it out by faith. So he says, be quick to listen. The next thing he tells us is to be slow to speak, slow to speak, if you continue to journey with us, you're, you're going to see that James, or if you're familiar with the book of James, you know that he has a lot to say about what Christians say. <laughs> He's going to spend a good part of chapter 3 dealing with how we wield our words and the power of our mouths. And, and we'll get into that. Again, he'll address the topic of the tongue several times. But notice here that James instructs us that we're to be slow here. It's quick to listen, but it's slow to speak. And, and slow here means careful, it means thoughtful, it means reserved. To be an attentive listener and to be a slow speaker, it goes hand in hand. And it's not just James that has a lot to say about what we say. The Bible has a lot to say about what we say. The Bible has a lot to say about how we say and what we say, and even giving thought to before we speak. Proverbs 13, 3. This is a great one to know. He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a, a, a person who speaks in haste? There's more hope for a fool than for them. Listen, speaking and talking, communicating, that, those are good things. That's a good thing. James doesn't say don't. He's just saying be slow. Be thoughtful about it. Be intentional about it. Speaking and talking is important. Communication is vital for us in any relationship, for us to grow, for us to, to learn. So any breakdown in communications, there's going to be a breakdown in, in relationship. Troubles will quickly, quickly appear. I think my number one counseling topic is that. When I counsel couples or families, it's how are you communicating? Are you communicating? It's something we all struggle with. And so there is a need for us to speak. 
your spouse, your kids, your friends, your family, your coworkers, people on your team, they're not mind readers. And so you and I, we need to use words to tell people what we expect, what we think, how we feel, what we want, what we need. Words are necessary at times, but not all the time. See, we cannot listen well if we're always in the mode of speaking. It's like a walkie-talkie. Have you used a walkie-talkie? In order for you to speak, you have to press the button. But when you press that button and you're talking, you can't hear anyone else. Right? You've commanded the, uh, the airwaves. It's just your voice. And sometimes people go around like a walkie-talkie. It's just them on talk all the time. And so then it can't do the first part. They're not able to listen. Larry King once said, I've never learned anything while I was talking. There's some people, maybe you know some in your life, they, it's as though they have the gift of talking. Right? They, they love to exercise that gift. And so they're just talking all the time. There's just commentary all the time. Like the, it's like they're having a commentary in their own life and other people's life always. It's like it's just always on. And just for the sake of talking, sometimes people... They're just talking for the sake of talking. I want to say to, to those people, and if that's you, silence is okay. <laughs> it's okay to stop talking sometimes. You don't always have to have commentary. Or maybe for some of us, and this is my own application, we don't always have to have the last word. Proverbs seventeen twenty eight says, Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps quiet seems discerning if he holds his tongue. And so again, James here isn't saying don't speak, but he is saying carefully consider the words that you choose. Think about what you're talking about. Think about what you're saying. Because later on we're going to see that words have power. Words have power. They have the power to build up. You can make someone's you can make someone's life by your very words. But on the other hand, you can destroy a life. You can tear down someone with your very words. If you've been around for a while, it's on my notes. So come in. You've been around for a while. I mean, you've heard me talk about. You know, when I was younger, after my parents got divorced, I was just kind of this. Well, I was an angry young guy and didn't have a lot of affirmation. Long story short, I ended up leaving. You know, my dad had to ERD me. He was in the military, so he had to return me back to the States. I ended up moving with my mom and her new husband. Uh, my environment changed, but I didn't. And so I found my solace, my refuge at the gym. I know it doesn't look like it now, but I did back then. And this attendant at the gym, who had no idea what I was going through in my life, every time I came in, he would just say, hey, tiger, hey, champ. Right? I lived for those words. It seems so stupid, right? It's like 25, no, 35 years later, it's still something I hold in my heart. Crazy, right? I mean, that is the power of words. How, how you and I can impact a person's life. Now, that's the positive side. There's also the negative side because some of us are carrying around some, you know, our greatest wounds uh, are not from, you know, an injury in terms of, you know, sports or, uh, you know, an accident that we got into. Some of our greatest wounds are the deep cuts that someone said to you. It's words that have cut you. And so you're carrying around scars from someone's speech and it's still tender and it still hurts. That's the power of words. Our words matter. And so God wants us to be careful then with how we use them. And that's what James is introducing us to, just this one phrase. Be slow to speak. Be careful with your words. 
many of my troubles, if not most of my troubles, have been when I've opened my mouth and I didn't think about what I was saying. I said the wrong thing at the wrong time. And I wish I could take them back. You think back in your own life and consider how much heartache was caused, how much trouble was you know, resulted just because we weren't quick to listen. And we weren't slow to speak. You know, we inverted those. We were you know, slow to listen. And we were quick to speak. I think nothing is opened by mistake more than our mouths. Again, I suggest, though, in context, that's true of our interpersonal relationships, but as it relates to the Word of God, James is including the idea that we should be cautious before we're speaking even God's Word, before we claim to speak for the Lord. Later on, he's going to say, be careful. Don't let many of you become teachers because of the stricter judgment that we're going to incur. And so sometimes you think about the things that we say or why we say them, our motives for talking or our motives for speaking. Sometimes they're not right. The motive is just we want to impress somebody. We want to impress them with how much we know. Or we want to one-up their experience. So, you know, they share something, you're like, oh, yeah, well, I did this. Sometimes our motives are just to influence others to do what we want them to do. So we're manipulating them with our words or we're coercing them with our words. And so James tells us, listen, be careful. Be careful with that, your motives. And especially when it comes to what and how we speak God's truth to others. Again, our interpersonal relationships, there's application, but in regards to the Word of God, there's an application here for us as believers, for us as followers of Christ. To be careful then how we speak the Word of God, how we represent God to others. Because sadly, there are many Christians who claim to speak for the Lord, who claim to say, well, this is what God's Word says, and yet they're mistaken. And, and what happens? Well, you've seen it happen. You have friends and family where they came to you and said, someone told me this, is this true? And you're like, what? Right? They were hurt. They were wounded. Someone else is claiming to speak for God, but it wasn't really the word of God. It was legalism. It was tradition. It was religion. It was their own bent Political often nowadays. And so we, we want to be careful. And of course, along with that, I think we don't want to be quick to judge or condemn others if you, know, if you and I aren't first hearing and heeding God's word for ourselves. The idea that uh, we, we should be slow to speak and weigh in before we do first do our own self-check. Before I seek to condemn or convict or rebuke someone, feel like I have to correct them, even Jesus prescribes, hey, be careful. In Matthew chapter 7, he says, you know, you look at the speck in, uh, in your brother's eye and you have no awareness that you have a plank in your own eye. He challenges us. How can you say to your brother, hey, let me take the speck out of your eye when you're sitting there? You know, it, it's a hyperbole, an exaggeration. You take something small out of somebody else's life, but you got this log in your own life, right? You got this plank sticking out of your own eye. Jesus says, hey, you're playing the hypocrite. Remove that first. Deal with your, your stuff before you think that you're going to go around and, you know, judge and uh, you know, speak into somebody else's life. And so there's, a, there's an element of that too. And then thirdly, he says that we're to be slow to wrath. Slow to wrath. Of these three, this is the one that uh, probably God you know, spanks me the hardest on. Someone once said that people fly into a rage 
always make a bad landing. So if we, if we will listen carefully, and if we will speak cautiously, we'll find it much easier than to keep our cool. Right? Angry words are usually words that we regret later. Because we haven't paused to think and pray and process. We're just responding. Again, the Old Testament offers as much wisdom as James is offering us. In Proverbs 14, 29, he says, uh, Solomon writes, he who is slow to anger has a great understanding, but he who is quick, who is quick-tempered exalts foolishness. Proverbs 15, 1, a gentle answer turns away strong wrath, uh, but it's a harsh word that stirs up anger. And we're even encouraged to, to not become friends with a hot-tempered person. You know, don't associate with one easily angered. The caution is, or you're going to become like them. That's the idea. Now, let me add this. Anger in itself is not necessarily sinful. You can go through scriptures and the personification of God. We read uh, a characteristic of him, I should say, that, that he gets angry. Now, of course, his anger is a reflection of his holiness, of his perfection, of his righteousness. And so his anger, as a reflection of his character, will always then be justified. It will always be right. It will always, it will always be righteous. And so there are times then where you and I too, in our anger, can reflect the holiness of God. We can have a, a righteous type of anger. We're, we're angry at sin. We're angry at the effects of sin. We're angry at the damage that it has done to people's lives and families. We're, we're angry at, at injustice. We can become angry at how we see people being treated or mistreated. That all falls under the category of righteous anger because you and I bear the image of our maker that we too then get angry as he gets angry at the violation of of God's you know, moral code, if you will. That type of anger, though, is focused on the Lord. That type of anger is, is not uh, from our own desires, that our own expectations have been um, disappointed, but they're in line with the heart of God, and so that's why we call it righteous anger. And so there's a place for anger, but, but generally speaking, and I want to suggest to you what James is offering here is that this anger isn't usually righteous. It's usually reactionary. It's very selfish. It's self-centered. We become angry because uh, we didn't get what we want. We become angry because uh, you know, we're disappointed. Our feelings got hurt. The situation happened. And we feel like we, you know, we have an unmet expectation from this person or the situation. And then we get angry as response. There's a lot to be said. For some people, anger is the, the only tool that they seem to know. Right? For every reaction, that's what they pull out. It's like a hammer. Don't you got any other tools in that toolbox of yours? Nope, this is what I got. I'm just going to be angry. At every response here, you know, I'm angry. Of course, a hammer to every problem that you have, it's going to leave a lot of destruction and damage, and that's often what anger does. It's a common result of our unchecked anger. It makes matters worse, not better. And so James offers very simple, constructive advice. Here's the prescription. Pump the brakes. <laughs> Be slow. And again, it's a discipline. It is to discipline ourselves to be slow in our response when our feelings are heightened, in our anger. Take a moment. Take a, take a walk. Take a break. Create, create a type of discipline for yourself. And listen. So we apply these first two. That will help us with this third. And again, this is where I, I'm convicted the most. It's this little phrase that causes me to pause longer than the rest. 
to process and contemplate because it speaks directly to some issues I've struggled with over the years, even as a young guy. Time's getting away from me, so you don't get to hear the whole testimony. <laughs> Maybe that's a good thing. But I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the work of God in my life and that I'm not who I used to be. I'm not who I want to be yet. I'm embarrassed to think about my own outbursts and times where I've been angry. And sadly, it's been Christy and my kids who've been you know, the uh, front row seat to my own stupidity. But all of us are works in progress, the grace of God. Proverbs 16.32 says, Better is a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper, than one who takes a city. And James ends verse 20, and we'll do this quickly and I'll land this plain. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. He, he gives us one very important reason why we should be slow to anger. And here it is, very simply. A holy life will never grow out of an angry spirit. When, when we lose our temper, when you're harsh with someone, you nurse a grudge, you, you fail to listen, you're the one who just always wants to speak and you speak over and through other people. Listen, all those things will short-circuit your spiritual growth. When we were born, we, we had very little control of our emotions. We see that with young kids sometimes. Right? They throw temper tantrums. They have a hard time expressing their emotions. They, and so they scream or they wail. They, you know, they do these things, and that's understandable. Oh, they're, they're little kids. They're still learning how to, to manage their emotions, control their emotions, express their emotions. We expect that from little kids. But as we get older, dealing with other people and situations in life in that same mode is not constructive at all. It's destructive. And so this is one of those areas in our life, spiritually, where God wants us to, you know, the, the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. To learn to control our emotions. And one of the most important aspects of maturity, it's emotional maturity. It's emotional, the phrase I think now is emotional intelligence. It's emotional stability. And what it boils down to, though, is that it's the Christian that knows that God's righteous anger against our own sin was turned away by Christ. And so we get to stand now in his grace. And James says that those who have been given a new life in Christ, we've been brought forth by the word of God, verse 18, new life in the Lord, well then we can, we can discipline ourselves through the Holy Spirit to be listeners and good listeners of others to love people by listening to them well. That we love God by having an eagerness for the things of his word. That we can consider our words before we say them. To realize there's power in the things that I say to somebody else. Power to build a life and power to tear it down. We'll, again, we'll talk more in depth about that later on. And lastly, that we can control our emotions so that we don't do damage to others and ourselves. Because it does not reflect the heart of God. It does not produce a right standing with the Lord. All right. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. These two verses, full of truth, love, grace, but a little gritty, Lord. It's like sandpaper in our hearts. I know for me it was. Lord, I pray that we would apply these things, that we would walk these truths out. Lord, that we wouldn't be just those who come on Sundays, hear, read, receive, and then walk away and forget. Lord, that every day we'd have a hunger and an eagerness, a desire for the things of you. 
Lord, help us to apply these truths, that we would be quick to listen, to give, afford another person the blessing of our attention. Lord, that we would be slow to speak, that we'd contemplate what to say and how to say things, Lord, that we'd be wise in our words, and Lord, that we would be slow to anger, that we wouldn't allow our emotions to get the best of us, but that we'd pause and pray, allow your spirit to process the things that we're feeling, to separate between feeling and fact, Lord, that we might represent you well to our own families and to the world around us. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.